Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin, and each week I talk about issues of faith, life, and the Bible, and try to relate them to everyday life. Although I come from a Christian perspective, I hope that all of you can find something of valuable here, regardless of whether you agree or disagree with me. I've learned that even though the events we read about in the Bible took place many centuries ago, they offer some real practical advice for our times. Today I want to go back and read a prophetic message that was given to the people of Israel by the prophet Isaiah about 500 years before the birth of Jesus. For a generation, the people of Jerusalem and surrounding Judah experienced extreme hardship. Jerusalem was reduced to a pile of rubble by the Babylonians. The best and the brightest were carried away to captivity in Babylon. The psalmist wrote during those days, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and there we wept, when we remembered Zion. On the willows there we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs. And our tormentors asked for mirth, saying, Sing us one of your songs of Zion. How could we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand wither. Let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. That's Psalm 137. Now, however, those who wished were allowed to return to their sacred homeland. There wasn't much to return to. Jerusalem, including the sacred temple, still lay in ruins and would remain so for nearly a hundred years. All of Judah was in economic ruin. It is into these difficult times that the prophet Isaiah speaks God's words of advice and hope on how to recover from this disaster. He writes, If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water, whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in if you refrain from trampling the Sabbath, from pursuing your own interests on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, serving your own interests, or pursuing your own affairs, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride upon the heights of the earth, I will feed you with the heritage of your ancestor Jacob, for the month of the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Can you imagine being driven from your homeland, 
and forced to start over in a totally foreign land. I suppose there are many Ukrainians who are experiencing the same situation as I speak. Then imagine that while you are in exile, you keep the stories of your past home alive in your children. You tell them stories of the beautiful temple where you worshipped your God, and you shared with them the faith that God promised to one day restore them to their home, which would once again thrive. God would rebuild the temple, and they would go there and offer worship and praise that God had been faithful. Now imagine that you are one of those children with visions of dancing sugar plums planted in your head when you receive the news that the international political situation has changed. Your exile has ended. Babylonia has fallen to the Persians, and their king Cyrus has decreed that you're free to go home. Unlike some of your friends who decide to stay where they've grown up, you pack up your family and head home to Jerusalem. You are ecstatic and full of anticipation as you make the long trek home to Jerusalem. Cyrus has even pledged money to help rebuild the temple. But what do you find when you get there? You find poverty, hunger, disease, and widespread religious and political corruption. There's nothing for you, no opportunity. There's no justice in the land. The rich were taking advantage of and enslaving the poor. The priests in the temple took the money that was offered there and used it to live like kings. Even the funds that King Cyrus had sent to help rebuild the temple were diverted to the religious coffers. Instead of trying to build back a just society, those powerful elites blame foreign meddling in the affairs of their country. They obsessed on ethnic purity and the purity of the language. They engaged in petty squabbles over their religious observances, such as what they could and could not do on the Sabbath. And they placed the blame for their hardships on everyone but themselves, including the poor. For you who returned, where is your God now? I would imagine that you would feel pretty bitter, bitter and betrayed. Then along comes Isaiah. He sees what's going on. He knows that God's promise of restoration lies within, not without. The people of God have become exiles in their own land because of the way they conducted themselves. But Isaiah doesn't just condemn. He comes with words of hope. He gives them a solution. He says, If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like midday, noonday. But there are several things they need to do. They need to remove the yoke from among themselves. In other words, do away with the practice of slavery. 
stop pointing fingers. Don't blame others, but take responsibility for what's going on. You may need to make sure that people have enough to eat and have their basic needs met. Then, and only then, the light shall shine in the darkness. He also says they must refrain from trampling the Sabbath, from pursuing their own interests on his holy day. God knows that they're making a mockery of the faith. They're trying to use religious rules and rituals to satisfy their own selfish desires. There is nothing, even their faith, that people can't and won't pervert and tailor to their own ends. Don't blame God. Don't blame foreign enemies. Take a look at yourself. As Americans, we look back with pride and joy on the history of our country. We're proud of it. We honor our founding fathers and how they struggled to tame this continent, which they saw as a new and promised land. We sing of America the beautiful with amber waves of grain beneath spacious skies from sea to shining sea. We believe that God has shed his grace upon us. But many feel today as though they're living in exile. We are experiencing or in danger of being carried away into a new Babylonian captivity. There's plenty of finger-pointing. Poverty and hunger tarnish the American dream. And instead of looking inward and claiming responsibility, we blame foreign enemies or the poor. Just as in ancient Judah, there is talk of ethnic purity and speaking the correct language. We're even using scripture and our religious beliefs against one another toward our own selfish ends. And sometimes, religious leaders enrich themselves at the expense of those there to serve. Where is our God now? How will God restore us to the promised land we once cherished? We're not in need of chastisement. We need to recall the hope, hope-filled promises of Isaiah and his plan for restoration. The first thing that comes to mind is that we need to stop pointing fingers at each other. And that's something we can easily do. It's our choice. Fueled by social media and partisan news organizations, our political life has devolved into nothing more than finger pointing. And then sometimes that even filters down to our friends and families. But finger-pointing accomplishes nothing. It may be a trite saying, but when I point my finger at you, three more point back at me. God always calls for repentance and self-examination. That is required of all of us. It is true that we live in a fraught global environment. There are many aggressive regimes who pose an existential threat to America and our allies. 
And as a result of the actions of those powers and worldwide famine and poverty, refugees and immigrants are pressing in upon us. This influx is comprised of people of all ethnicities and colors who speak many tongues which seem exotic and strange to us, sometimes threatening. If we are to believe Isaiah and Jesus follow, who followed him, the answer, though, is not to retreat into fearful enclaves of white nationalism, but to rather strive to find ways to live up to those words on the basis of the Statue of Liberty. Give me your tired, your poor, and your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. These words may seem naively optimistic and challenging, but everything that God requires of us is challenging. Naive optimism and facing challenge is really at the heart of the American spirit. Isaiah's most practical advice was, Offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted. Feeding the hungry and satisfying the needs of the afflicted are subsumed under the general call to put the needs of others before ourselves. For us as Christians, this is the call to lead a sacrificial life. That is the life and calling of Jesus Christ, who sacrificed all, even his life on the cross, for the benefit of you and me. And he says, Come and follow me. That plea to follow him comes with the promise that he will give us rest. It is high time for us to return to our true faith. That does not meaning, mean using scripture and religious dogma to get our way in political disputes or argument over social issues. The aim of our religion and our faith is to love God with all our hearts and all our minds and love our neighbors as ourselves. And if we do that, our light shall rise in the darkness and our gloom will be like the noonday. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you'll come back again. But for now, may God bless you and keep you. May God make his face shine upon you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace.